Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Hi. Hey, Mel. What's up? You know, just living the dream. My kids are in bed. I have no idea if they're actually asleep. I just locked the door and came into my bedroom to record with you. It's nice to see you this evening. Oh, you too. How has your weekend been? Um, It's been an interesting weekend. We had our Zoom hangs. That was so great to be able to see all of you. Mel had to be a ditcher. Is that a word? Uh, I guess if you make it up. Yes, <laughs> I, I had a gig. I played a show. Was it fun? Oh, yes. It was so fun. We played oh, under good. this cl big claw thing that you two used to have on their tour, I guess. It's next to the aquarium. And it, I got to play the Hammond B3. So probably Dennis Brazo is the only person listening that cares. Yeah, that sounds like a vitamin to me. It's an organ. It's like so much fun. So I got to shred and it was on a big stage. So I got to be as loud as I wanted. It was so fun. And... Good. Yesterday, I woke up and I thought, oh my gosh, why do I feel so weird and heavy? And then I was like, oh, it's September 11th, which of course is September 11th, but it's also Scott's birthday. And in heaven. My, no. Yes, it's his birthday in heaven. Don't they call it the heaven birthday when he dies? That's the. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, sorry. 
I was just saying, like, he's celebrating his birthday in heaven. because He probably doesn't care. He's like, yay, I have no time anymore. I don't care. So, and it was our engagement anniversary. So I survived. And it was actually good to be doing something. And I had a lot of fun. And, like, I just kind of, when I was sad, sat with the sadness and was like, okay, I kind of know this drill by now. It's okay that I'm not okay. And then I was okay. And then things were fine. So yeah, I made it through and it's just weird. I have found like my first year after Scott died, for some reason, the birthday was like so hard for me and it shredded me and I didn't think it would. Did that happen to you? I don't even know if I can remember um, the first birthday. Gosh, I feel like I was in such a like... I don't even know. Because his birthday, I mean, it was like three months after he died. It wasn't like, you know, some people it's two weeks after. I couldn't remember what we what we did for that day. But honestly, I can't even remember anything about my brain. Okay. Well, so never mind. But. Yeah, sorry. The weekend was good. And guess what? This last week, guess what happened? Mm, you found a pair of roller skates under your bed. Even better. I have gone from having three meals that I can deal with to having five. I know that sounds strange because so everybody that's followed some of the podcasts, they know that I have issues with food since Scott's died. And so I've been kind of not feeling like eating a lot of things. So I found three things that I can consistently have over and over and over and they're safe and nothing else sounds good. And I've added two more things this week which is huge so it sounds really dumb you're looking at me anita is even looking at me like i'm crazy listen <laughs> i know that some of you what know what i was expecting i know that some of you know what i'm talking about your appetite changes and your how you digest food changes so that's a big deal for me i increased my meals well felicitations to you okay i'm happy for you thank you um also our friend got hijacked in her house can we talk about that guys is that what it's called hostage 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 she was hostage did um this has been quite the week we i live in a kind of a small city it's not huge and in one day we had a manhunt and the manhunt the man who was hunted broke into a house and took a family hostage and the family that they took hostage happens to be somebody that mel knows yeah i know of them i don't really know her personally so that was like a little bit stressful she was a really good friend of scott's actually really really good friend yeah then great friend in the evening we had a wildfire west of our city so it was like the apocalypse in one day it was just crazy and my kids were kind of a mess and I just was like I just felt like you know like throwing something in the air and walking away like you know what else can we deal with so that was kind of a a little bit of a crazy day yeah did you run any races this week uh I can't even remember if I did or not. Oh, no, because when we recorded, I had just done that race. So, okay, no, nothing, nothing like that. But it's been kind of an emotional week um, in our Widow Wives Club. We've had some 
losses that have taken place and the person who it happened to is a really private person, so we won't discuss it, but it's been really interesting to watch our Widow Wives Club members rally around this person. And you guys, it's actually made me a little bit emotional to see you guys step up and be like, how can we help? So I just want to say you guys are the best. Thank you so much. I'm telling you, the widows are the best people on the planet because they totally get it. So yeah, it's it's been heartwarming what's the right word no it's been it's been heartbreaking and then heartwarming to see how people respond yeah in our group so it's funny that you mentioned the widow wives club anita because you and i have on and off tried to bat around the idea of in-person meetups but of course covid is a problem but i am announcing today we have started phase one of in-person meetups. Now, that doesn't mean they're ready to actually follow through yet, but as some bans are being lifted and and people are kind of figuring out what they're able to do in their area, we have several people around various points of the country and the world that we've reached out to, and they are going to start some of those things. And it's going to be so fun. So we will make sure that we announce more details in the widow wives club so if you are a listener to our podcast and you want to be a part of these or if you would like to start one up in your area please join the widow wives club because we're going to make posts about it and we need your guys's help to start that because we don't live where you live and we can facilitate zoom hangs and we could maybe a couple times a year do something where we all travel eventually somewhere to be together but it is very very important as we all know to have community around us and for those who really are needing in-person friends and activities and fun i mean let's talk about fun come on we all need that that's what this is for so currently we have a few in california that we are talking about and in England and Utah. So if you are a widow and you know of some other widows that you might want to reach out to that might want to join a Widow Wives Club meetup in your area, stay tuned, email us, or when we make the post in the Widow Wives Club, comment on it and we will help that get started. So yay for phase one. Since we're widows, like we know that this is like we take a step at a time. And so so it's been in the works for a while as far as Anita and I discussing it. But now we're able to take the next step. So let us know what you think. I'm so excited for that. And in case you're having a panic because you live in the middle of nowhere and there's nobody around you, we will not leave you out. We'll still be doing our online things to be able to capture everybody at once. We just thought it would be nice if there was an option for people who are around other widows to be able to find them and sit with them in person. Maybe eat some tacos. Yeah, sometimes you need to go to brunch. So you go do that. And if you are somebody that is kind of in the middle of nowhere, but maybe you have one widow friend, there you go. You can start your own little thing. So we'll help you amazing yeah but we'll we'll always always have the online zoom stuff because it's it's really great for us to be able to connect with all of you worldwide and i know that we've had a lot of friendships and people that are traveling to see each other Mm -hmm. and people that happen to be going to the same vacation spot overlapping for one day i just realized sarah that you are in both of those categories (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's gonna be awesome 
I love our community and stay tuned for that. Excellent. So if you're not a part of the Widow Wives Club, become part of the Widow Wives Club. Club. It's like a club and a glove. Club. Yes. We're both like not speaking well today because we're tired. And just make sure you answer all the questions, including the group rules at the bottom. How else can people participate in our podcast, Anita? All right. We're going to give them three options. The first option is to give our podcast a rating and review. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Get on Apple Podcasts and tell us that you like the podcast. The second option is to buy us a taco. And yes, we do go get tacos. And that is at... Buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. That's a one-time donation. So if you don't have your <laughs> ducks in a row and you have no idea how much money you have, that's the one to do. And if you want to do an ongoing donation, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash WWDN. And that's a recurring donation every month. And we have four different tiers and they come with extra benefits. It's a monthly thing. It can be canceled or signed up for at any time. We have four tiers, the widow friend, widow bestie, widow wife, and the dead husband. And one of the benefits you get from the widow bestie and up is a shout out on the podcast, which we are going to do right now. Let's go for it. For our first dead husband, who's a secret dead husband, we're going to say, For you are the widow beneath my wings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Constance Dahlbach. David Kelly. Don Satterwhite. Gail Paxton. Welcome, Gail. Ivan the Meisner. Galveston, oh Galveston. Cat. Krista Waite. Amy. Amy Sapp. Ashley Hahn. Ashley Hahn. <laughs> Christina Shiflett. Danielle Catterberg. Not a Debbie Downer. Dennis Brazo. Jenny Taylor. Jenny Wing. Kathy Murray. Kirsten Spromberg. Spooky Ow. scary. I'm wearing my werewolf shirt right now, Kirsten. Leslie Webb. Missy Schubert. Rachel Barbosa. Welcome back. Woo, woo. <laughs> Sarah Morris. Sylvia Shore, my mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, mom. I hope you liked the cheesecake I gave you. Karen Cornejo. Vicky Spit, the lover and keeper of all the animals. And the widow of Kirka. Kirka? How do you say that? Kirka? Kirka. 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 Help Kirk. us, Vicky, help. help. Yeah, tell us how to say that. It's uh, it's probably dumb and easy. Like Kirk. It's just Kirk. Yeah. The hot Kirka. is silent. It's probably Kirka. Kirka. Okay. She's a new dog. It's so cute. Anna Tracy. Christina Scambato. Christine Anderson. Mindy Holmgren. Don Barber, not Don the Barber of Fleet Street. <laughs> Debbie Fells, welcome. Diana Becker. Emily Thornton. Emily Toledo. Aaron Posick. Gabe Lozano. Ian Sini. Ileana Bell. Happy birthday! Yes!
sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. That was hers. It's her birthday on Tuesday. Happy birthday oh. on Tuesday. Oh, I thought you were saying it was Ileana Bell's birthday. No, it's my friend. It's our patron. Listen, it's just Jackie's on- birthday. It's just- <laughs> okay, Anita's mom is next. You guys, we're just going to say your names. Jane. <laughs> Jenny Barrow. <laughs> Jocelyn Monster Milo. Joy D. Kirsch. CFP. CEFT. Karina Jacobo. Is that how you say your last name, Karina? Sorry if not. Welcome, Katie Radcliffe. Karaskara. Lori Farrington. Marie Hoffman. Marjorie Lewis. Mary McGowan. Peter Rukavina. Sarah Kennedy. Shannon Helm. Sunshine Haven. I hope you're not as tired right now. Yeah, Tammy Schwartz. Tara Wallace. Val Packer. Val Perfect Packer. Okay, I have one for Wendy then. Okay, go. And Dust Bunny Wendy. Oh, in your belly button, Dust Bunny? Do you know that Jason used to get crazy belly button lint? Okay, gross. Let's end this session. <laughs> Barf. I thought that no was offense. a... That's gross. I thought that was a, like, a myth. Okay. It's not. I don't think it's a myth, but thank you for the fun fact and the visual. And now I, I feel can like I can more. smell it. I don't, I don't want to know <laughs> it anything. It didn't smell bad. Oh, no. It didn't smell bad. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Anita, for that descriptive <laughs> description. Kate. I just want you guys to know everything about me. We're so grateful for all of you patrons that support us. Thank you so much. And again, if you would like to also be a Patreon with us, it's patreon.com slash WWDN. Yes. Thank you. Let's get to our episode, can we? Sure, I guess. That's why we're here. Oh, Most cool. of the time. Let's do it. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We are two young widows, and we are just trying to figure out, for the love, widow, we do now. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation, in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. Today, we have a guest, a special guest. And her name is, <laughs> we say that every time, Susan. And if I get this wrong, we'll do it again. Susan Hannafin McNabb. Did I do it right? You got it. Yes. 
Thank you. So great to be here. Susan, can you tell us where you're recording from? I am recording from my home office in San Diego, California. Ah, uh, <sighs> come on, guys. Come on over. We actually might be in about a month and a half. Yay. How is it in San Diego? We have all of California's smoke, but I think that you guys have just passed it on to us and you don't have it. Or do you? Yeah, I think we, we were really nice and we did pass it to you. We So mm-hmm. I'm in the southernmost place in California and it is clear. It has been clear the whole <sighs> time. I know. Sorry. Maybe there's hope for us, though, in like three months. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And then it will be next summer and everything will be on fire again. I know. Again. I know. It's I so unfortunate. It yeah. Well, we're happy that you are not in smoke and we got all of your smoke. But... San Diego's got to be beautiful, and we're a little bit jealous. Well, you're welcome to come over anytime. It's about 82 okay. today, and um, and the tourists are almost gone for the season. <laughs> and it'll be even more beautiful when it's a little more empty. So in September, October, November, it's, it's beautiful. Come on over. I like that. More empty, less people. Yes. More beach to yourself, right? More More sand to yourself. Susan, you have so much that we need to talk about. So let's get right into it. And why don't you tell us about you, a little bit about you, what you do for a job, and then let's get into the widowhood stuff, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. So I am a teacher and a social worker. And I was doing those things. I was, yeah. I was actually trained as a K through 12 teacher, um, elementary, middle, high school, and um, did lots of teaching with kids of all ages. And um, then I got into social work because I really was more interested in the social, emotional, behavioral piece. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Yes. Um, Are you an official saint? Because teacher equals sainthood. And then you went and became a a social worker. So that's also sainthood. Double saint. Wow. Thank you. I have double halos, I guess. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She's got a double decker halo. (laughs) Tell us more. Well, so I was already a teacher and already a social worker. I met a lovely guy in San Diego who was a surfer getting his master's and then PhD in international business, which took us to Hawaii. I know another awful place, right? So we lived in Hawaii and and had a life there. And then we got married there and moved to Australia where he was a professor at the university of Sydney. Did you guys just move around to any place you could surf? Was this by design? Yes. (laughs) Yes, actually. So my husband, my late husband was a surfer, professor, bagpiper, artist, kind of jack of all trades. (laughs) Bagpiper. (laughs) Those things, those things always go hand in hand. I know. Did he play the bagpipes while surfing? That's what I want. While surfing. Yes, he did. No, but he actually would often practice on the beach and he would eventually have a crowd of people because bagpipes are pretty unique and they're awfully loud. Yeah. And it was a beautiful setting to listen and watch a bagpiper. So we created this great life in uh, Hawaii and then Australia. And um, but we really wanted to get back to the West Coast of the U.S. because that's where my family is and his family. Um, We had a child who was born in Australia. So Jacob is a dual citizen, which 
he will love later in life. And um, we were just coming back to California on a sabbatical, an academic sabbatical, actually. And um, my son and I, Jacob was five at the time. We came back a little bit early to find a place to live and all that jazz. And then Brent came over. He was here for a month. He went out for a drive in the local mountains and did not return for dinner. He did not return for breakfast and was missing for two weeks. <gasps> two weeks? What? Yes. Okay. That's not stressful. No. At all. Right. What happened? Well, he what we hired a private investigator. Um, I filed a missing persons report. I mean, what do you do? I, I never understood until I was in it what that means to have somebody missing. You know, your brain goes in 2,000 directions. You've got a child wondering where dad is. You have no answers at all. So when I wrote my book, which we'll talk about later, I, I really was... Um, adamant about including trauma with the grief because there are many of us who have a trauma story whether it's a missing person or a suicide loss anything like that is very traumatizing and so for two weeks we had no idea and then on my wedding anniversary I got a knock on the door of and course. of course yes um, and the medical examiner said that um, a nature photographer, we're such nature people, he was out right in the local mountains on a very windy road. And we don't know what happened, but the car went over and he was down in this ravine area where nobody looked until a nature photographer was down in that area taking photos because it was so pretty. And they recovered the car and they recovered his body. And that is when I officially became a 41-year-old widow with a five-year-old child. Oh my gosh. <sighs> so yes. his car was missing and he was gone. So the Correct. things that are going through your head is he went to Mexico. He's been kidnapped and murdered. There's been an accident. He's in the KGB. I mean like all of these yeah. things. Right. I mean go through your head. Yes. And then and then at the very end of the day I'm a hopeful, positive person, and I always had hope. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't know what was happening, but I, I never said, okay, well, that he's dead and that's it. I'm widowed. I mean, never. Mm -hmm. And I think because I am a hopeful person, um, that, that has helped me get where I am now, nine years later. But initially, it was horrendous. So that was in 2012? 2012 yes okay so how old is your son now he is 14 oh oh my condolences again <laughs> what were some things that were helpful or unhelpful to you while you were in that waiting period trying to figure out what happened or where he was well honestly we had just moved back from overseas I hadn't lived here in 15 years and so I didn't have a huge network here whatsoever uh, my parents were here, thank God, and they held the space for my son and I. Um, I didn't tell my son, excuse me, I didn't tell my son what was happening because I didn't have an answer. It was just, you know, dad's at work. And dad traveled all the time for work because he was a professor of international business. So that answer was fine until 
I knew what was happening. And then I had to tell him no one was on board during that two week period, except my parents and myself. Um, I am a good actress when I need to be. I met my husband at the gym. I'm a total gym rat. And I went to the gym during those two weeks and just moved because that's the only thing I knew how to do. I was quiet and I moved. But during that period of two weeks, I happened to be in a small group class at the gym with a woman who just happened to tell me during that two week period that she was widowed with two kids at home. Accidentally, I don't think so. So two weeks later, I'm on the phone with my trainer saying that woman in the class, the widow with two kids, I need her number right now. And my good friend, Robin, has been by my side this entire nine years of my rebuilding. So you didn't even know her name at the time I she did talked not. to you? Mm. Oh, sometimes the universe puts people where they need to be. Were you already a social worker at this point, too, so familiar with trauma? Well, yes, I was a social worker. Yes, I was an educator. I had no idea what trauma really was. I had no idea what grief really was. And I remember at some point in the early days of my widowhood, going to my garage, pulling out my files from my master's of social work program. Everything was paper back then. And I pulled out the file and I threw it in the trash because (laughs) nothing made sense academically. I had to actually live it. And that's what I've been doing. So now you're a widowed mom. You've got a five-year-old son. What does life look like after? What's the after look like? Yeah, well, the immediate after was a total hot mess. But (laughs) as I mentioned, I can be a good actress when I need to be. And I knew already that I didn't care to live for me, but I knew I wanted this child to have a life and a childhood So everything I did from that day of Brent dying forward was for my son. And it took a good amount of time, a couple of years, for the anger and the exhaustion and all of the different reactions to grief and trauma to subside just enough for me to go, okay, I guess I care about myself again a little bit. But for a long time, it was trudging around the streets of San Diego, collecting resources for his own healing. And in turn, I was getting healing myself. That's so interesting. And I think we find that a lot that in the beginning, it's not for us, it's for our, the people around us. And I think that that is actually a really hard thing for widows without kids is what, what is the purpose when there's not somebody that you're in charge of or responsible for that's why I got a dog I got dogs and and it might sound stupid to people that have kids because they're like you want your dogs you care about your dogs so much it's like those dogs keep me alive because I have to care about them and I care about them more than I care about myself so I relate even though it's for dogs in a way yes sort of yes I've heard that from so many people that were widowed young and never got the chance to have kids or they chose not to have kids Um, It was a pet. It was a parent. It was a girlfriend. It was somebody or something that that they got up for. I I know I can speak for many 
kidless widows, honestly, that's kind of what keeps you from following through maybe with a, a plan, a dire plan, because you're thinking, well, if I were not here for these dogs or for all these people that are in my life, it would be really devastating for them, even though they don't live in your house. And it's like, yeah, it can be scary and isolating kids or no kids. Yes, you know? yes definitely. So you started to feel like maybe life was for you again. And then how did it go after that? Well, I'll tell you, I mentioned Robin, who was my buddy at the gym, who's been my peer mentor and friend for the last nine years. Um, that summer that Brent died, a week after Brent died, she was going to this thing called Camp Widow. And I thought that sounded like the most horrific place I never wanted to ever be. So she went, off she goes. The next year comes around and she says, listen, I think maybe you want to come with me. And I said, I think not. (laughs) (laughs) She twisted my arm. And a year after Brent died, I walked into Camp Widow, which is run by Soaring Spirits International. It was downtown at the Marriott in San Diego here. And it was the greatest weekend I never wanted to attend. I was surrounded by hundreds of young older widows, kids, no kids. I mean, all all diversity, sexual orientations. I mean, it was like, if you are living with the death of your life partner, your spouse, your person, you are welcome here. And um, that's when I finally realized I'm not alone. And that's when I started caring even a little bit about me And maybe I could do something to help those behind me because as a social worker, that's kind of how I'm, I'm built anyway. Like, what can I do for others? So what did you start doing for Soaring Spirits? Well, after Camp Widow, which was the greatest place I never wanted to be, I came home, which is 20 minutes up the street. And I said, oh my gosh, like all those people are not here in my daily life. Thank goodness I had Robin at the gym who I saw, but I needed more widowed people. I needed more. So I emailed Michelle Neff Hernandez, who's the founder and CEO. And I said, hi, I was just a camp widow. This is me. And do you have any resources in San Diego? Because I, I, I need more people. I need more widowed people. And she said, well, I don't, but we're starting these regional social groups Um, a program underneath Soaring Spirits called Regional Social Groups. Um, These are widowed people who get together twice a month in their local communities and create kind of their mini own camp widow, meeting at coffee shops, meeting at the park, the beach, wherever. Would you want to do that? And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But of course, I'm an organizer, community, social worker person. And I said, yes. So I go to Robin, my friend, and I say, hey, guess what? And she was four years ahead of me. And so thankfully, she said, I will, I will do this with you. So Robin and I, in 2013, started the San Diego Regional Group of Soaring Spirits International that now has been running for eight years. And there are probably 400 people that have come through that regional group. 
And, um, and interestingly enough, now, nine years later, I work for Soaring Spirits International and I manage the regional group leaders. Oh, all right. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. Full circle. Yes. I have a question about Soaring Spirits. So when was it started? Do you 13 know? years ago. Okay. Soaring so Spirits was, started. So it was. That's math. What year is that? I know four. It, it was four years old when you went to Camp Widow. That's about right. Yes. Okay. And did they do Camp Widow every year, like since the inception of Soaring Spirits? So Camp Widow San Diego was the first one, and then Tampa. There's Camp Widow Tampa, and there's also Camp Widow Toronto. And I don't recall which one came first, Toronto or Tampa. There was one um, in. South Carolina for a little while, but we knew they knew they wanted one on the west coast of the U.S., one on the east coast of the U.S., and then one in Canada. So that's been that's been quite a few years that Camp Widow has been put on. You guys are probably pretty good at it by now. We have a knack for it now. It's been a huge, it's a huge, huge, huge team effort for sure. We first heard about Soaring Spirits Pen Pal program. Will you tell us about that? Well, that's interesting you bring that up because the pen pal program was the very, very first program that Soaring Spirits offered, the very first one, and it's still running. So right now we have tons of programs. We have the Widowed Pen Pal Program. We have Widowed Village, which is an online forum with a huge library of books for widowed people. Um, this is widowedvillage.org. Anybody can go and click there. Um, inside Widowed Village, we have weekly phone calls on Zoom. There's Zoom gatherings for newly widowed people. That's every Tuesday from 3 to 4.30 Pacific. There's lots of activity um, going on in Widowed Village, including a call for people widowed by COVID. So Widowed Village, then of course we have Camp Widow, which is in San Diego, Tampa, and Toronto. In 2020, we ran Camp Widow virtual twice. So that could be an option in the future as well, just so because so many people could access that regardless of a pandemic, they can sit from home and, and be at a conference. Um, oh my goodness, we've got the regional social groups. We have over 100 volunteer widowed leaders who volunteer to lead a group in their local community. We have over 75 groups in Canada, U.S., and Ireland. So when people want to form a new chapter, they just get in touch with Soaring Spirits and you guys facilitate them volunteering to do that, right? So it's not like it's a static, these are the only chapters we have. There's Exactly. They would actually contact me. They can contact <gasps> me. I know, Susan at SoaringSpirits.org. And I onboard and train the regional leaders. So if someone's interested in forming a group, they can contact me. I'll give them all the information they need about how to do that. And then once they become a regional leader, we have a very tight group of people who are regional leaders. Um, I call them Team Awesome, the regional leader (laughs) team. And we have trainings every month. And it's just a wonderful network of people who've decided, you know what, I really want to reach a hand back and help others. That's amazing. Mel just saw your I know, dog. I need you so to she talk. just Can you talk about the dog to me? 
I will talk about the dog. The dog actually is in my book. Um, so my book is called A to Z Healing Toolbox, A Practical Guide for Navigating Grief and Trauma with Intention. And in the book are 26 tools that help people navigate grief and trauma. And letter A is animals. So there's the why, you know, why do animals help us heal? They decrease our anxiety. They decrease our depression. They force us, as Mel said, to get outside and care about something else. Um, they decrease our isolation and they actually increase our levels of bonding hormone, oxytocin and serotonin, which is the happy hormone. So this guy is an actual therapy dog. Um, he sometimes comes to Camp Widow and his name is Kai, K-A-I, which means ocean in Hawaiian. Oh, and I did not um, know that. Yes, he is a wonderful um, Australian Labradoodle. How old is Kai? He is now seven. We got him as a puppy uh, two years after Brent died. I hope he comes to Camp Widow because guess what is exciting for us? Anita and I are going to attend our first Camp Widow ever and present. Yay. Hopefully we don't alienate all the people forevermore from coming to Camp Widow because of <laughs> us, but... <laughs> They're going to quit. They're going to be like, never more. We're not even doing Camp Widow anymore. If you just send Anita and Mel burned it yes, down. And if you just send Kai to our presentation, everything's going to be fine. Be okay, fine. perfect. <laughs> so Susan, I want to know more about the book. How did you um, get the idea to write it? Where did it come from? Tell us the process. Good question. So there I was at Camp Widow. Oh, I love it when the story starts with, there I, know, I was, right? there so I was there at, I was Camp, at Widow. Camp Widow. And Camp Widow is full of workshops, right? You can choose which workshops you want to go to. And I went to a variety, including how do you help a child who's grieving? What do you do with their belongings? All the different things. And I came home from that weekend and I really thought, you know, I, I, I can teach a workshop. I'm a teacher. So I emailed Michelle again at some point in that year, the next year. And I said, I am available to teach a workshop. And here's my idea. And the idea was at the time, I called it alpha, the alphabet healing toolbox because I was in San Diego running around gathering every resource, every person, every possible thing that could help my son and I heal. And because I'm an organized teacher person, I put that material into a three ring binder. And of course I had to categorize it, right? A, B, C, D, E. So A became animals. How are they helping us? What's the deal with therapy dogs? Equine therapy, all of that stuff. B what about became parakeets? All of it. All the animals, even if you can't hold them. Um, one of my good friends actually um, was a dolphin trainer before her fiance died. And she went back to spend time with the dolphins because it just just being near animals, just watching a fish swim is meditative and it changes what's happening in our brain. So all of those resources became A, B, C, D, E, animals, breath work, counseling, doing your homework, energy therapies, flowers and fragrance, essential oils, on and on and on to letter Z. So I brought in this information to the next Camp Widow and I presented a workshop and the 25 people sitting there said to me when they got their little tiny binder with 26 pages, right? A, B, C, D, E. 
where did you get this information? I said, well, these are all the things that my son and I are doing so that we can heal. And they said, you need to put this all into a book because we need this. And I said, there's no way I'm putting any of this into a book. (laughs) I'm not going to be an author. Forget it. But all the right people showed up. And a few years later, it became a book. And inside the book are all the tools. So the chapters are very easy to maneuver because the grieving and traumatized brain can't handle much at once. Um, So in each chapter is maybe just two pages of how I use the tool for my own healing or my son's own healing. Uh, The why, you know, the social worky step. Why does this work? Why would somebody want to try this? How can this promote your own healing? Um, And then there are little stories, little paragraphs from other people in the bereaved parent community, in the widowed community of how this particular tool has helped other people heal as well. So I feel like there's two categories of grief books. There's the memoir that's like, this is my story. And then there's the more practical here's some tools, here's some techniques, here's some things to try. And I kind of love it when I get a book. I mean, I love to read people's stories also. I mean, like their podcast is all about stories, but I also like it when people give me concrete things to try. So yeah, practical application. So I'm looking at your site and you have an online toolbox and you have a book. So what's in the online toolbox So I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to make sure that people could access this information by either the website or the book. There's more information in the book, obviously. I didn't put every single thing on there. But if you go to the online toolbox on um, the website A number two Z, A to Z healing toolbox, you'll find each letter. And when you click on a letter like Mel does, you'll find the why. How does this healing tool help promote you know, your, your healing, um, and then resources. There are a bunch of resources that you can click on to get more information on, on different things that are listed. And then, um, in the book are some single small steps. These would be for you, Anita, five to seven small steps that you can take today or tomorrow or next month or next week in, in promoting your own healing. Is the book specifically geared towards widows or is it just geared towards grief in general it is geared toward grief in general so the tagline is or the subtitle is a practical guide for navigating grief and trauma with intention any grief any trauma stress anxiety all of it Uh, since my story is a widowed story a lot of widowed people a lot of widowed people you know gravitate toward it However, there are stories in here or paragraphs in here from the bereaved parent community. So a lot of bereaved parents um, use the book. And um, before COVID, I was actually in San Diego using the book as curriculum at hospices for marriage and family therapy interns, for sand play therapy interns um, at children's hospital, at universities. So the book really can be a tool for individuals to have on their nightstand and just open wherever they want to open and see what's there, or it can be used as a curriculum, um, by a therapist or, or somebody at a hospital. I love that. We're, we were shocked to find out how many trained therapists are not actually well-versed in grief and 
grief resources. Yes. And so this is so amazing. So I think everybody needs it. I heard of somebody who took their packet of that stuff and threw it in the trash. Yeah. And and <laughs> and made her own. <laughs> I've heard okay. of somebody like Can that we too. talk about have... though how on your site when you're looking at your book, there are five awards. That's pretty awesome. The Pulitzer, the SB, <laughs> And the, the gold uh, medal Oscar. of awesome. Those, the gold Anita, medal. you don't get medals for Oscars. You get a trophy. <laughs> I, don't, I know. I'm Same just, for the Grammy. I'm just thinking of every single award I'm tell that you. I can think of. Okay. So the Ippy, it's Ippy Awards, the Indie Book Awards, the American Book Fest finalist. I guess those are awards. Benjamin Franklin gold medal winner and 2019 Living See, Now gold medal winner. gold medal Gold medals. Yeah, but you medals. don't get them from the Oscars. She got five gold medals. Look at her site. It's awesome. I love this. Okay, I have a serious question. How yes. hard of a stretch was it to come up with Q and X and Z? Did you have, like, because you know how every alphabet book, it's like. Right. Something crazy. Xylophone is always X or X-ray. Right. How hard was it? You know, it wasn't too bad. So Q is quotes that inspire hope. And I still have quotes up all over the walls here. Um, X is ex examining, examining your positives, which is another term for gratitude. And then Z is Z's like sleep, which is oh. a huge, mm. huge issue for both the bereaved parent community and the widowed community. Right. Okay. I will accept those Thanks, Adita. Because sometimes they're a stretch, you know? I agree. I agree. I've read my fair share of A to Zs because I have kids. And sometimes yeah. I do Cute. not accept quail. You're like, quail? <laughs> Who sees quail? <laughs> oh, okay. So I have another question for Go. you. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. So you are nine years out. You've been working with Soaring Spirits for several years. Your life seems to be worth living again. Is that a fair statement? Very fair statement. And how has your life been in kind of the later widow years? I mean, that the makes later you sound current. like you're old. But later current. Yeah. More recent. Yeah. The, later, the more recent years. Well, I'll tell you, it's gotten a lot more manageable. And... I, you know, I've never had, I've, I've not been diagnosed with an illness like, um, say, diabetes. But from what I hear from my friends who have diabetes, it is something they need to manage daily. And it takes a while to get into the groove with that. And so for me, it has taken a while to get into the groove of being widowed of not having a partner when all the other people who are my age, I'm now 51, they're all married. They're all celebrating their 25 year anniversaries. They're all having, you know, all of their kids and the siblings, right? Like I wanted more kids. Just I didn't kidding. get that. So I, um, it's gotten more manageable over time, but I'm not going to lie and say, you know, it's peaches and cream every single day. I'm still solo parenting. I have not repartnered. I have not remarried. I have dated, but I have not found my second 
what do people call it? Chapter, chapter two. two. Yeah, whatever mm-hmm. the term is. Your now, hallmark chapter or... two. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I have not found that person. Um, maybe I will, maybe I won't. So I'm doing the best I can with my situation now. And my son is amazing. And he, and he is a much deeper 14-year-old boy than I've ever met. I, I don't know any other 14-year-old boys that have the depth of character or emotion or spirituality that he does. Mm. And remember how I was making fun of him earlier for being 14? <laughs> That's okay. He has his moments, right? They're teenagers. So, yeah. Absolutely. Can I ask you a little bit about how dating has gone for you and when you decided that you wanted to date? Sure. Let's see. About two and a half years after Brent died, I came to the place of not wanting to actually vomit when someone brought that up. <laughs> I literally felt nauseous anytime that was mentioned or brought up. I I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I was with Brent for 17 years. He was my guy. We met when I was 24. He was it. That was it. He was my guy. And so to think about even entering into a, a relationship with anyone else just really made me sick. So two and a half years later, um, I, I'm sitting in my home on New Year's Eve and it just finally dawns on me. Okay, here are my options. All right, I'm lonely. My options are A, I wait for Brent to come back. B, I do this on my own till the day I die, whenever that is. Or C, I figure out how to date in my 40s. And I decided to go with option C, to stick a toe in the dating world. And fortunately, I had a friend, Robin, who's four years ahead of me, and she's already been down this road. So she took me shopping. I had no dating. I had no, like, clothes. You know, I was wandering around in sweats and a tank top or jeans, (laughs) ripped up jeans and a tank top. She said, you know, there's this thing called online dating. And I went, oh, my gosh, that was that gives me anxiety even to think about it, because I was not in the online dating. (sighs) Me either. I know me either. But I said, Mm. okay, I I lean into the discomfort. I think that's Brene Brown, you know, lean Mm -hmm. into the discomfort. And this whole widow thing is completely uncomfortable. It's, It's discomfort 180 degrees. So she took me shopping, she took some photos, and then I had an online profile. And, um, and over the last six years, I've been on and off different websites, everything from eHarmony to Match to Plenty of Fish to Bumble to Hinge. Am I missing any? I didn't um, even know half of well, those probably grinder, but I, I don't know. think that's for your demographic. Mm, maybe not. Now, I'm not quite into silver singles, but some people are going that direction of like, and I never did Tinder. I mean, there's a million different ones to look into. So I, you know, have been on and off of these, a lot of off, a lot of off. Um, I dated two different guys about nine months each. And then a lot of one, one and done. I say, you know, one date and no, thank you. You know, nice, but no, thanks. And now I'm in this place of, you know, I, I kind of have my, my protocol, my dating protocol, only 1% of the people even get through my little window. 
and um yeah so i'm pretty hardcore now like i i don't date a lot and if i will date someone he's gone through an entire process (laughs) yeah good vetting a 12-step vetting process i think that's appropriate for sure yeah yes so and the vetting it's not really 12 step but for me i mean i can share that too for anyone listening who's thinking about dating it's really helpful tell us right okay so the first thing is right i know what kind of person i'm looking for i mean alive that's top of the list okay exactly right Mm -hmm. maybe certain education level maybe certain proximity you know i'm not gonna go i have a child i'm raising i can't date someone in arizona or florida or timbuktu right he's got to be within 30 miles so there's a lot of weeding out people can do initially on what like kind of your parameters, right? You've got to have some sort of parameters. Do you care about height or not? Do you care about ethnicity or not? Do you care about proximity? Do you care about age? Do you care about um, education level? Do you, what, like, what do you care about? Right. And so the people that don't fit that, you can immediately, no, 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 no. Okay. Then you're left with this pool, right. Of, okay, well now here are some people. Let me, let me, let me show some interest. Well, if they're not interested back, okay, they're gone. Okay, so now you're left with a smaller pool of people that are interested maybe to talk to you and you want to talk to them. Um, then I go into, well, how's, you know, how long have you been separated or divorced? Because 90% of the people out there are not widowed. They are separated or divorced. And if they say, I'm, I've been separated for six months, I go, bye, nice to meet you. <laughs> very, very wise. I'm not doing the separated thing, you know, and if you've only been divorced for a year or six months or some, some small amount of time, I've learned that they're not done with their process of unhooking from the marriage. And how are you co-parenting? If you have kids, how's that going? Like, I want to know all the things before I step a toe into dating you, even for lunch. Like, you know, if you're a hot mess with your co-parenting, I'm not even going to go there. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just me. Good. So, yeah. And then the beauty, I mean, COVID's not beautiful, but one of the beautiful things that have come out of that is there are a lot more people doing video chats. So it's like, hey, how about a video chat before we go out to coffee? Or how about a phone call before we go out to coffee? Can you have a conversation? Can you ask me questions? Or am I just asking you questions? Do you have anything to say when I say, oh, I'm widowed, not divorced? Are you like deer in the headlights? You don't know what to do with that. Or are you going to say to me, I'm so sorry for your loss, which some men have done. You know, they get it. Like, I'm so sorry for your loss. My dad died last year. It's so hard. How's your son doing? Perfect answer, right? But if they give me deer in the headlights or they say nothing at all or say something stupid, that's my answer right there. Peace out, Paul. (laughs) That's right. Have you run into any uh, widowed men? Widowed men? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've actually just went on a date with one of them uh, a couple days ago. How was it? And I will say this. I know now who's done their work and who has not. Mm. Okay. And who has gone through the A to Z toolbook? 
exactly. toolbox. That should be part toolbook. of your pre-screening. What's a toolbook? Like, I know, Here's right? this, this toolkit. <laughs> Pass it. Go through it. Right. Oh, man. No, I mean, just generally, like, have you had any therapy? Have you surrounded yourself with anyone that can help you? How do you have trauma? Have you gone into that? Um, how are your kids doing? Are they a hot mess still after four years? Um, so, yes, uh, this gentleman, so nice, but so hurting, you know, four or five years later, wasn't able to find therapy for his kids, hadn't gone to therapy for himself. And I could just tell was just oozing with help me, help me, help me. Hmm. And so right then I said, okay, I'm going to help. I'm not going to date you. I didn't say that to him, but to myself, like, I'm not going to date you, but I will help you. And I gave him all the information on Camp Widow. He has signed up to go. <laughs> I gave him local therapist information. He has a therapist now. Good. Nice. And his kids are getting hooked up as well. Wow. That's, that sounds this like is, one of those things that the universe is like, you're going to go out with this person. It's not going to have anything to do with the outcome. You're yes. put in the path to help promote healing. And like you were talking about reaching back to help others behind you. Somebody else. It's yes. interesting that we've started talking about dating, which was not our original intent, you know, but I do think it's helpful for um, other widows and widowers to hear stories of dating that don't immediately end in repartnering. Because I feel like we hear that a lot, like, oh, I'm already remarried. I've, you know, all already done these things. But sometimes that's not how it happens. And it's just another process and it's mm -hmm. in the trenches and it's going in and then it's taking a break and it's, you know, knowing what you want and being picky yeah. and learning about how yes. to live in the middle. And that's one of the reasons we started this podcast because we're like, nobody talks about this stuff. Like, we'll talk about it because we don't care we don't have feelings and so I love that living in the middle that's mm -hmm. that's what it is and I'm a big um, you know I say to people the marker of healing is not that you're in a new relationship that is not the marker of healing the marker of healing is how are you how are your kids if you have them you know how how's how are you like how's your soul how's your emotional state how's your psychology we can jump quickly into a new relationship and there's plenty of those stories uh, because it's so painful and lonely. Um, but being surrounded by widowed people for the last nine years, I've heard so many stories about people getting repartnered immediately. And then that ends in divorce or people, you know, not being ready to do their own grief work for 12 years that's totally fine. And then 15 years later, they find their person, you know, it's all over the map. And really, yeah. I've just learned probably like you guys are hearing all the stories from people on your podcast. There's no right way or, t or right time to do any of this. We're all individual and unique. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like we, we all, especially at the beginning, look for a list of well, what do I need to do so I can be okay again soon as quickly as possible and that's not a thing once you can come to terms with okay that's not really going to be my reality and then you let that go and you start maybe looking at the A to Z's and like really exploring them and sitting with them and learning how to do the work that's when you'll know what's best for yourself yes and I think Mel that it, this grief work, and then if you have trauma on top of that, it's so hard to sit with, right? It, it's anxiety producing. It creates fear. I mean, there's so many 
common reactions and these are in the book as well there's a whole chapter on grief what is it what are the you know 50 common reactions to grief behaviorally socially spiritually mentally and then there's a chapter on trauma what are the um the common trauma reactions in adults and and we're just this stew of different emotions and different feelings that come sometimes all at once and so if we can't sit with it for a while and get others to help us kind of sift through the soup, we're not going to be our best selves in a new relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we talk about trying to be mindful about the purpose of your new relationship. And if it's trying to bypass that pain, just so you're with somebody, you know, or if you're in a place where you're dealing with that, and you also want to be in a relationship. And sometimes that can be tricky, but just being aware that it is a, it can be a way of just trying to not feel that discomfort of being alone. And the relationship that we have with ourselves is the most important first. And, and I wanted to, in response to what you just said, Susan, it's so interesting that you make the distinction between grief and trauma. I think a lot of times people lump them in together and they are different. And maybe this will help somebody listening. I don't know. But I've been widowed three and a half years, coming up on four years. My husband and I were married two years almost. And and I feel at this point, if I really look at separating my grief from my trauma, which I had a lot of trauma in the past, like from childhood on, I feel like I'm at a good, healthy place with my grief management. But the trauma work is like a whole nother thing. And, and it took, even in therapy, I remember my therapist is like, okay, so like, do you want to be done? And I was like, no, I kind of want to just still talk to you just in case. And like, it wasn't for another year that stuff started coming up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm starting to unravel these things and these patterns and these deep seated things that I'm like, if I, I'm so grateful that I'm getting to those points where I'm able to delve deep, um, through years of stuff to then help me, you know, be my best self. And, and that wouldn't happen if I just put my grief in with my trauma. Cause I do have trauma with my grief because my husband died unexpectedly. There's a lot from before. So if anybody is maybe considering ending therapy, but you know that you've had trauma, or maybe if you don't know that you've had trauma, it might be a good idea to kind of explore that if you feel ready. What are your thoughts on that as an actual professional? I'm not a professional. You are. Right. Yet. No, I, yes, to everything you said. And and how I explain it to people is if you can picture a Venn diagram, and for those of us who haven't had algebra or geometry in a long time, a Venn diagram is two circles that, that have an intersecting point in the middle. So if one of the circles is grief, and all the reactions over here, and one is trauma with all the reactions over here, they do have an intersection, intersecting overlap area. However, they they are also, they do also have some differences. And I had no idea, even though I was a social worker, I had no idea that I was traumatized. I thought, well, my husband is dead. Now I'm grieving. Okay. But no one said to me, um, well, trauma is actually why your your nervous system has been completely derailed. You you can't sleep. You're having nightmares. You're having flashbacks. You're having anxiety attacks. You're having 
all of these symptoms that are manifesting in and through your nervous system. My heart rate was through the roof. I couldn't breathe anymore. I mean, those are things that happen with a a trauma experience and can also happen to a lesser degree with grief. But the, the hundreds of people I've talked to that, that didn't have trauma embedded kind of look at what I'm talking about and go, Oh, I didn't have that. Like I didn't have those nightmares, flashbacks. My, my nervous system was okay. I was sad and I couldn't sleep, but I wasn't a complete hot mess like you. So once I figured out that, Oh my gosh, there's this whole trauma piece that I need to deal with. I went looking for therapists that specialize in trauma, trauma therapy. So that could be somebody who does EMDR. And for those people who don't know what that stands for, um, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it's a type of therapy that was coined by a woman named Francine Shapiro back in the 70s when all these Vietnam veterans were coming back completely traumatized with post-traumatic stress. And it's a non-invasive um, type of experience where you're sitting face-to-face with the therapist and they've got two fingers and they're kind of moving them across your eyes so that you're watching their fingers and your eyes are moving back and forth, back and forth. And it sounds kind of wacky and does this really work? But what what's happening is with the eye movement, those images that are technicolor and are keeping you up with flashbacks and nightmares, those are being pushed back to a different part of your brain. So you can't access those memories well at all. You've got to work to access those. And even though I wasn't in the car when my husband died, my brain and our brains as humans take over and and fill in the gaps right? What happened when he went down the hill? What happened for those two weeks? What was happening to his body? What, like all of those different things that had to be stored to a different part of my brain so I could even function. I didn't realize EMDR was that old, but uh, Mel and I have both done it and have had good, good results. And it just feels really weird. That's, I'm always like, I don't know why this is working, but okay. It's so great. I love it. It's like, it's crazy. Didn't she discover that while she was on a walk and she noticed that she... Like fran- through the flashing trees? Well, no, or she just was like moving and like she would notice that as she oh. would look back and forth and as she was thinking of things that were stressing her out that it would like kind of pull it out a little bit. Isn't that right? Is something like that? Right. There. Yes. There's a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say also to that note, being out in nature, there's another kind of very non-invasive trauma therapy called somatic experiencing. Hmm. And it was coined by a psychiatrist named Dr. Peter Levine. And he was noticing that animals in nature do something specifically after a trauma experience. Okay, so let's picture in our minds a coyote chasing a rabbit. And the rabbit is running like mad to get away from this coyote. And the rabbit runs into a hollowed out log and is safe. What does the rabbit do? What is the rabbit's body doing? I was thinking shaking, but I don't know. So yes, Anita, 
what I yes. mean the rabbit's like calm because it got away, but its body shakes. It shakes out the trauma. And humans, do we do that? No. We do not shake out our trauma. We lock it in and store it. And so we need to have ways to get it out, get it out of our bodies. And Peter Levine with Somatic Experiencing came up with a very non-invasive, gentle way to help people kind of vibrate some of this trauma out of their bodies. And all of this stuff is in the book, but you can also Google, you know, EMDR therapy or Somatic Experiencing and find a practitioner in your area. Yeah, I've heard of shaking out the the grief. It sounds very intriguing. Like in my mind, I imagine those, you know, those like commercials, the old timey commercials of the guy in the gym with that like thing that was on his back that like <laughs> right. shook him back and forth. That's what I, mm-hmm. that's what the I jiggler. imagine. Sounds. Oh man, it has been so great to talk to you today, Susan. We are so excited to hear and see you at Camp Widow and you're just a wealth of knowledge and experience and we really appreciate you being here today. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to seeing you at Camp Widow. Just one question about Camp Widow before we wrap up. If somebody is considering coming to Camp Widow but has either financial questions or maybe they're emotionally not sure if it's for them, what would you say to those people? Well, I would first have them check out campwidow.org and check out the photos and check out some of the the information there. Um, They can always contact us at soaringspirits.org. So they can contact me, Susan at soaringspirits.org, Jenny at soaringspirits.org. Jenny is our global operations manager. Um, Mary Hughes, she is our virtual program coordinator. So Susan at Soaring Spirits, Jenny at Soaring Spirits, Mary at Soaring Spirits, any of us can answer questions. And we do have um, financial aid available in the form of some scholarships for Camp Widow. We call them camperships. Um, Often some of our Camp Widow campers who do have extra money will sponsor someone else to come to camp. Yay, rich widows! (laughs) Exactly. That's amazing. Okay. Mel, you looked like you had something to say. Well, there's the ultimate important question that we ask everybody unless we forget, and we're not going to forget today. What is your favorite cheese? (laughs) Do you eat cheese? I, my favorite cheese is Parmesan. Isn't that you know, random? surprisingly, Ooh. we don't hear that that much, but Parmesan is very popular. So good. Do you eat I, it plain? No. Uh, so oh. my latest thing is I need to watch my cholesterol level. So I'm not even eating other cheeses, although I love them. Um, and I put Parmesan just a little bit in my, like, in my food, in my scramble mm-hmm. in the morning. It's really tasty and it doesn't have a ton of cholesterol in it. So is it real Parmesan or shakeable Parmesan? Real girl, okay. real shredded, real shredded Parmesan. I'm going for Not it. Not the trashy powder the cheese. Stuff. I love it. I, I call it. I call it an abomination, but it has its purpose. I love all of it. <laughs> all the trash and the. She loves amazing. all the cheeses. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. We super appreciate you being here. 
Remember to check out the Widow Wives Club on Facebook and answer all the questions. If you want to help us out, you can join our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you want to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Widow We Do Now. Until we talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And I am Susan. And we're just two young widows and one widow with a double-decker halo. And we're trying to figure out... Widow, Widow, we do now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what one, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks, and so you don't have to pay extra for that, and you still get great service. Yep, Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.